Hey everyone, Matt Straub here. Welcome you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. If you don't mind taking a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, we would appreciate that. Today on the show, we have a couple of items on the agenda. First up, we're going to look at five of the most polarizing fantasy players out there right now. Ryan Knaus is with me. Ryan, I think you know what I mean by polarizing. These are players that they spark possibly a very wide range of reactions from fantasy owners. Some people might be very uh, bullish on these players. Some people might treat some of these players as guys you want to get rid of immediately. Ryan, I'll start, though, sure. with Kevin Kevin Love. Obviously, the fear is that he'll get rested and shut down at some point. I'm not sure if you've heard, but the Cavs are 12-45. and 45. But uh, the reality is Love clearly still has the juice when he's out there. 14 points, 9 boards in 16 minutes on Monday. Uh, I guess I'm going to make this... I'm not going to give you any room for gray area here. Are you in or are you out? Mm, no room for gray area. Well, you in know, case, go ahead and go ahead and wait around if you if you, you, know, if you must. No, it's fine. I'll I'll say I'm in to my own surprise. Um, oh, th- this came up on a previous podcast, I believe, with you. Love loves outlook once he came back from injury, and I said I'd be happy to get one excellent month out of him. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a bit more optimistic now because the Cavs, have, as you pointed out in your intro, are terrible. Uh, they have the third worst record, and the the key for me is that uh, because of the CBA changes, the bottom four teams all have an even shot at the number one draft pick. So there's no real incentive to be worse than the fourth worst. You know what I mean? So yeah. So the, they're already entrenched there. They're six and a half games below the Hawks, who are the fifth worst record. So they really are cruising into one of those, you know, the top odds for the lottery. They owe Kevin Love a guaranteed $120 million over the next four years through 2023. So either they view him legitimately as a foundational piece of their rebuild, or they at least want to show the league that he can still be an elite court spacing kind of big man, maybe keep alive the possibility of trading him. Either way, I think it it helps them to keep him on the court, keep him on the court with their young guys, keep him on the court to keep him in, you know, GM's consciousness as we head into the summer. So, yeah, I, I, I quite like him. I, I think maybe as long as he stays healthy, he could stay on the court to the end of the season. And a great sign that he is slated to play in Wednesday's game after playing on Monday. I mean, you wouldn't think that would be that big of a deal to play two games Hey, in we'll three take days, what but... we can get at this point. <laughs> and just so we can have some fun with small sample sizes here, Kevin Love per 36 minutes in six games so far this year. 21.5 points, 14.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and around two threes per game, which honestly I think is right around... those numbers, yeah. I mean, that's right around what I would have maybe guessed for him if he was on the court this whole time. So the guy is at 20 and 15 waiting to happen. Uh, so hopefully you only get a handful of missed games the rest of the way. So, so, so Matt, I got to throw this back at you. Are yeah. you, in, are you in or are you out? On I, I'm, I'm in. I, I've in one of my main leagues, I've just patiently, uh, been hanging on to him this yeah, whole time. Same here. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about him. Um, especially because, well, in that case, I was able to build a pretty good team without him. So it's kind of just like a, uh, a bonus acquisition mm-hmm. lottery ticket kind of thing. So. Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously pretty excited about his outlook down the stretch. Same here. All right, uh, number two of our five polarizing players is Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Ryan is a member of the Knicks. He's averaging 17.4 points, six assists, 1.8 steals, 0.6 blocks, 1.03s, and just 2.4 turnovers in five games. But you know some bad news is coming, and that bad news is 41% from the field, 54.5 from the line on 6.6 attempts per game. The excitement is back, Ryan, but are you in or out on DSJ, the percentage destroyer? Hmm, If I can 
walk a middle line. I'll say I'm <laughs> I'm I'm in in points leagues. I'm yeah. out. I'm out for Roto eight cat nine cat. It doesn't matter. In the immortal words of Cardinals coach Dennis Green, I'll say he is who we thought he was. He's he's gonna tank your percentages. I mean, what did you cite? 41 percent from the field, fifty four point five from the line. Yeah, so yeah. that's awful. I, the the free throw percentages seem like a fluke, at least you know small sample size. But even last year, in almost thirty minutes a game as a rookie, he shot thirty nine point five percent from the field, below seventy percent from the line. So we knew he was going to be a drag on your percentages, and now defenses can basically load up against him. He's a high-volume shooter. The Knicks are turning to him on most offensive possessions. So he's, you know, he's going to see increased attention for a guy who was already struggling with his efficiency. So the turnovers are going to go up. It's no surprise to see his percentages even lower. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, he is who we thought he was. It's The good news is the volume is up. The bad news is the volume is up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's about one. Uh, But uh, yeah, I don't know what you do unless you just go with a reckless percentage throwing strategy. It's hard to throw both of them in an eight or nine category league, but perhaps pair with Russell Westbrook, who we will talk about in a second. But first, we're going to talk about Anthony Davis, who, in my opinion, suddenly falls into the category of being a very polarizing player. Uh, He played a back to back over the weekend, put up some pretty typical numbers. Do you think this is the time to jump ship and trade him for anyone you can get in the top 10? Or are you maybe more optimistic now that he actually mm. is going to stay on the court most of the rest of the way and maybe only miss a handful of games? I'm no. The moment the deadline passed and he was in New Orleans, I thought, oh boy. Because I, I own him in two key leagues and I'm not thrilled. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans, the, a report from Adrian Wojnarowski suggested that they wanted to tamp down his minutes and maybe not play him in back-to-backs. He did play in their most recent back-to-back set, but that was immediately after the league warned them that they <laughs> that, that they could be fined $100,000 for every game they benched him. Um, you know, they don't want to set a precedent of superstars getting benched, which makes sense. But to me, New Orleans, you know, the first time AD is infamous for going into the locker room after tweaking an ankle or, or tweaking a shoulder, they could right. exaggerate any of those things into a multi-week injury. It's not going to take much. So if I can flip him for Giannis or I can flip him for Carl Anthony Towns, I do that in a heartbeat. Maybe you can leverage, you know, if someone owns Steph or Durant, maybe even Kawhi. I might not go that far, but... You know, their owners might also be afraid of late-season DMPs. I'd happily take a couple potential rest days from Steph and Durant to get out from under a potential shutdown for Anthony Davis. I'll throw a few other names at you right now while we're doing this. Sure. Would you would you trade him for Kyrie Irving, currently sidelined with a knee injury, or is that going too far? That's tough. I, I, I don't think I'd go there. Would you trade him for Damian Lillard, number 12 on the yes. season in nine-category leagues? Yes, yes. Okay, I'll go even one step further than Lillard, and I'll ask you about Bradley Beal. Would you do that? Hmm. Number 15 on the season in nine-category leagues. Yeah, so maybe I was thinking if you could get a top 10 guy, just do it. I think maybe top 20. I'm really afraid of the DMPs. I'm afraid of the shutdown. It's a real risk. And maybe, maybe you roll the dice. But it's either win a championship or you stall out in the first round of your playoffs. So... I don't know. I, I'd, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather take a sure bet and well, try, you know, it's. It, I mean, for you know, if you're Anthony Davis fantasy owner and you still have him, you got a big break at the trade deadline, in the sense that well, him getting traded would have been the best case scenario, but him not getting traded and still playing right now 
yeah, uh, is the best thing you could ask for. So see what you can do uh, and, and get out from under that risk. Or ignore what we're saying and gamble, which is also an exciting way to go. <laughs> sure. Uh, number four on our list of polarizing players, Russell Westbrook. I don't know if you heard this, Ryan, but he has set a record with 10 consecutive triple-doubles, which is a lot. Mm. Uh, he is averaging 19.7 points, 13.2 rebounds, 13.8 assists, 1.5 steals, and 0.7 blocks during that 10-game triple-double run. However, and you knew there was a however here, shooting 39.4 from the field, 66.7 from the line, with five turnovers during that same stretch. Is this a... What are we looking at here? Is this a, is this a dream? Is this a nightmare? Uh, somewhere in between? Wow, so this is like uh, Dennis Smith Jr. on steroids, basically, <laughs> in, terms, in terms of these splits. Um, I guess, ideally, if you drafted Westbrook, you knew high turnovers were going to be an issue. You knew that bad percentages were part of the bargain. So frankly, you made your bed, but (laughs) moving on from that, um, if your team can't sustain it and you, you know, if you're fighting for your playoff life, you're losing percentages every week, you need value. I'd happily trade him for a top 20 guy. If you could get Bradley Beal, that's an easy win. I doubt Beal's owners would do it. Uh, if you could get someone like Kemba Walker, I'd trade him in, in nine cat or eight cat. Sure. But those counting stats are impossible to reproduce. So for points leagues, obviously he's elite, but yeah, you can't get away from the reality of what you just said. 39.4% field goals, 66.7, and these are high volume. Right. So that's, yeah, it's, he's a three-category killer, which you can't even punt at that point. So uh, during this 10-game run, again, averaging those monster counting stats in nine-category leagues, according to basketballmonster.com, he is 72nd overall. So yeah, if you could get something in the top 25 for him, and assume, assuming those percentages are actually killing you, which they should be, uh, I think you got to do that. Yeah. The last name for part one of the episode is Kawhi Leonard, giving new meaning to the term load management this season, which, by the way, I just think is a wonderful euphemism. I, I feel like it's getting used more and more. I don't know where it came from, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. We don't say rest. We say load management, <laughs> which is just a funny thing. Uh, anyways, he's set out 10 different times this season for at least one game. So missing 15 games in total, 10 different absences this season. Is there any reason to think we can trust Kawhi to stay on the court during the fantasy playoffs? Uh, I'll go hard no on that. <laughs> I mean, we saw, I, I think it was four straight, right? Four straight games that he sat out a couple weeks ago. It was a full week that he spent on the sidelines. I don't know that there was any back-to-back involved. There might have been one. But he wasn't injured. He just sat out four straight games. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And this is before the All-Star break. So, I mean, the Raptors are doing everything in their power to make Kawhi and his camp happy. He wasn't happy with the Spurs because apparently they encouraged him to return last year from his quad injury before he and his camp felt that he should have. Something like that. Or they criticized him for not returning early enough. So obviously Toronto, who bet the farm on him helping them win a championship and hopefully re-signing this summer, they're going to try to make him happy. So therefore, if he wants to rest, he's going to rest. And especially, they know they're going to need him every game in the playoffs. So as the playoffs approach, I could I could absolutely see another week-long stretch of DMPs in the final weeks of the season. Toronto's one game behind Milwaukee for the number one seed in the East right now, but I don't see a close playoff race necessarily you know, compelling Kawhi to play in every game. I think if it's a difference between the one and three seed, he'll choose rest over a better seed. 
So Kawhi is the number five overall player in nine category leagues based on his averages. Some of the same names we already talked about. I mean, would you trade him for Bradley Beal, Kemba Walker in a heartbeat? Yeah, I, I, I think I would. I, I'm and listen, maybe I'm more risk averse than most. It sounds like you're kind of with me on on this. Like I'd rather have a guy who I know is going to be top twenty, you know, even top thirty value for sure on the court than someone that I have to, you know, wring my hands and just hope they play. So, yeah, give me that. And this is one reason I like Roto over head-to-head playoffs, because because you don't have to have these agonizing uh, conversations in your own head. <laughs> right. Uh, although they're kind of fun in a, in a sick way. But, yeah, I, I agree. In that same league I was talking about where I held on to Kevin Love all season, I, I have Bradley Beal, and I don't think I would trade him for Kawhi Leonard just to flip it around. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say the same, especially for for Beal. Kemba's a little closer. Beal's a guy who can put up, you know, first round caliber numbers for long stretches. You know, I don't know if we get closer to the top thirty. You know, of course, I would rather have Kawhi than Lamarcus Aldridge, for example, number twenty seven overall. So I wouldn't go that far, personally. Yeah, same here. All right, part two, Ryan. I want to look at five recent trends that, on paper, might seem somewhat insane, and I will ask you. And I will help you to try to put them in perspective. First up, Lowry Markinen, a guy we've talked about before, maybe twice, a couple times on the show, you you and I have. His last five games, 26.2 points, 13.0 rebounds, 2.43s. Or if you expand it to his last 10 games, he's around 22 points, 12 and a half boards, two and a half threes. Is it too far to say, Ryan, that Markinen is a 20 and 12 guy going forward? I don't think that's going too far. No, I think... He was probably on pace for something like that last season, but wasn't getting enough minutes. The Bulls, you know, logically wanted to limit him. But his elbow injury is behind him. And if you look at the Bulls' front court, they have no depth, right? They're starting Robin Lopez out of desperation. Cristiano Felicio, they've got Wendell Carter Jr. is out with thumb surgery. He's out till late March at the earliest. So to me, this is Lowry's show. He's a fantastic player. We're just seeing what he's capable of and why he went so high in the draft so uh get excited i guess is what we're saying yeah i'm i'm in i think i think what what we're seeing is legit jonathan isaac's last 10 games have him averaging 12.2 points 7.2 boards 1.3 steals 2.3 blocks and 1.43s and honestly ryan that that's not even the most generous sample i could choose if you shrink it down to less than 10 games it looks even better but let's start with that ballpark is that a realistic template for isaac moving forward is that too much to ask Again, I'm going to be an optimist and say that I think this is real. This is what basically what I, I had projected in other people before this season. You know, I, I thought he was going to hit those elite defensive numbers, maybe hit a three per game. One and a half per game seems a bit high, but hey, he's hot. He's developing. You know, who knows where his game could go. But yeah, he's he's finally healthy. He had another ankle injury in November, I think it was, that kind of freaked me out because that's what derailed his rookie season. But the great part about Isaac is he's healthy. The Magic are making a playoff push, and even if they fall out of contention, they're still going to play him huge minutes. So he's not a guy whose role depends on on their bubble status, so to speak. Uh, so I'm psyched. I, I own him in a couple leagues. My only regret is that I don't own him everywhere. He was on the waiver a couple times, and I, I missed out. And in two, at least two leagues, I missed out. Yeah, I got him on waivers in one shallower league. Um, nice. And by the way, Isaac has to be like in the top five of pat yourself on the back players this season if you waited it out as a fantasy owner yeah. because it was not easy I don't think for a lot of people 
next up, Bobby Portis. Uh, his last five games, two of them with the Bulls, three with the Wizards. So over those last five games with two different teams, he's at 24.6 points, 7.2 rebounds, a steal a game, and 3.2 threes, shooting 55% on threes during that five-game run. Is there a more powerful tonic, Ryan, than leaving Jim Boylan's command? <laughs> more powerful tonic than uh no i don't think there is i i wrote it in, in a trade deadline column that literally just getting out from under jim boylan and the bulls was a win so you know thomas bryant is a great i think he's 21 year old uh center but he doesn't play huge minutes certain small ball lineups the wizards have been really keen on small ball lineups all season i mean dwight howard's not coming back we could just say that and you know, they, they played Markeith Morris as a small ball center for long stretches early in the season. Jeff Green has gotten an extensive run as a small ball center. So I think Portis fills that role perfectly for them. And he can play power forward. I don't see why or how Jeff Green and Trevor Ariza will stay in the rotation all season. Right now, the Wizards are saying that they will. I don't know why. But anyway. Ariza's <laughs> yeah. been pretty good, though. He, no, he's been good, but he's a veteran on a team that's going nowhere fast. So why right. wouldn't they choose to develop Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis? You know, if, if uh, Brown Jr. gets healthy, they've got to play the young guys, Matt. I understand. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I'll say about Portis is he... I, I feel like was kind of missing uh, something to differentiate his game for, in a fantasy sense other than points and rebounds. You know, not, not a big defensive stats guy, but True. I think that thing is three-pointers because his last, uh, let's see, four games, he has attempted 26 threes. Do I have that right? Yeah, 26 threes, and he's made he's 14 of 26 his last four games on threes. So nice. if he is going to start attempting a lot of threes, and it looks like he will, he shot 10 of them last game, made six. Uh, that, I think, is the difference maker in his value, giving him another category where he contributes uh, if you play in category-based leagues. There you go. It'd be nice if he blocked shots, but I'll take threes. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that's coming down the, the pike yeah, anytime yeah. soon. He's a big guy who does not block shots. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Reggie Jackson, number four on our, our list of trends here. He has been on a heater the last few weeks. His last eight games, 19 points per game, 6.6 assists, just under a steal per game, and 3.03s, shooting 49.1% from the floor. Is this just a small sample size, Ryan, or do you think Mr. October has turned a corner? Uh, Mr. October? Mr. <laughs> February, perhaps. He's... Uh... Yeah, no, I, I'm not buying it, I guess. He's a 42.8% shooter for his career. He's came in 41.3% on the season, and that includes his recent hot streak. Uh, so I, I think it's more a symptom of the schedule. He's feasted recently on some bad teams. The Wizards, the Knicks twice. Uh, there was a blowout versus the Nuggets when their three-point defense was just non-existent. They got ran into the ground, stuff like that. So... No, I'm not fully buying into Reggie Jackson. You found the red herring. I put one in there, and I was going to see if you if you found it. <laughs> you Sniffed it the out. Chapter. There you go. <laughs> All right, I want to get in one player onto this list who's likely out there on waivers in a bunch of leagues. So let's talk about Jake Lehman. His last 10 games, 13.7 points, 4.1 boards, 0.9 blocks, and 1.7 threes in 27 minutes a game. Your thoughts? Uh, he's been fantastic. I, I actually I haven't 
watched many Blazers games recently, and he kind of snuck up on me. I was looking through various fantasy values, and I was like, Jake Lehman, that must be a mistake. <laughs> but but no, he's been fantastic. He blocked, I think in the last game, he had four blocks, yep. which, you know, that's a bit fluky and inflates his blocks, but he's been on fire. He's shooting 59.2% in his past five games. Usually I would dismiss that and say small sample size, but he's around 54% on the season. Mm-hmm. So So this is a guy who's just... You know, he knows his role in the offense. He's very active off the ball. He's efficient from downtown, and he's earning minutes. I mean, Mo Harkless's minutes are down. Rodney Hood has made no impact because Terry Stotts can't take Lehman off the court, basically. I'm a bit skeptical just because I like I like to see guys with proven value for months at a time, and I'm, I guess we've started to see that with Lehman. So, yeah, why not pick him up? And if the other shoe drops, so be it. You put him back on the wire. Yeah, I mean, I I just picked him up in a relatively deep 12-team league that I'm in, and I think that's kind of the perfect league size to pick him up. I mean, you're not running to go get yeah. him in a 10-team league right now because, you know, 14 points, 4 rebounds, a couple of threes a game is useful in some settings. But anyways, yeah, Lehman is an exciting athlete, though. Maybe one of the more dynamic athletes people don't really know about. The guy's a dunker. Uh, he's obviously got an improved three-point shot. So, uh, yeah, definitely a name to watch if not pick up right now. A bonus for you, Ryan. I want to get your thoughts on Ivan Rab's outlook. Uh, Steve and I talked about him the other day on our Waiver Wire podcast. Rab's last five games, 12.8 points, 7.2 boards, 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. How realistic do you think it is for Rab to produce, given that Valanchunas is there, but Rab is still being called the starter? I think it's quite realistic, I guess. Where did you, where did before I launch into it? Where did you and Steve come down? Uh, well, we were talking about how Rab was a strong pickup before the deadline. Mm-hmm. Then they got back a center in the Gasol trade, so it it seemed to take the air out of the balloon for some people. But uh, we were saying how. I mean, I, I happened to not drop Rab where I picked him up because I thought maybe he was going to maintain some value yeah. uh, in the thinned out front court. So we both like him, and uh, yeah, we're both optimistic about him. There you go. I guess I'll, I'll be the, the third voice in that chorus uh, because, as you said, the thinned out front court, the Grizzlies have no depth. Apologies to Joachim Noah, but they just don't. <laughs> uh, Rab starting is obviously a big win. There's just huge opportunity staring him in the face. Jonas Valanciunas was playing 18.8 minutes with the Raptors. I doubt he'll play more than 20, 24 tops with the Grizzlies. So with the thin rotation in the front court, you got to think Rab's minutes are safe. The Grizzlies also don't have incentive to turn JV loose. He's on his the final guaranteed year of his contract. He can decline a player option for free agency this summer. I assume he will. So I think Rab is in a great spot. And... His free throw shooting looks bad on, you know, if you just look at his season-long stats, he's at 63.9%, but that's 36 free throw attempts. That's like Mm -hmm. nothing. And he took the same exact number of attempts as a rookie, made six more of them, and was 80.6%. So then he looks like a big man who's great from the line. So just a small sample size, nothing. You know, if he falls somewhere in between 73%, that's fine. Yeah, and I was watching some Rab footage uh, recently, and he can shoot. Yeah. It looks like, it, you know, his stroke is not busted looking or anything like that. And I think he has three-point range, et cetera. So he, he can shoot. He's not a guy who has no shooting mechanics and just, uh, you know, plays at the rim. Yeah, agreed. 
So that w- Rab was your bonus pick for the that was unexpected yeah. performances. That was it. You sound disappointed. No, no, it's fine. I just That's, sorry. That, that was it. That was your if, bonus pick. If if disappointment crept into my voice, Matt, it's because Chandler Parsons popped into my mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's going to be in the rotation, and then yeah, I, I was crestfallen. Just a random flash of Chandler Parsons. Yeah, in, in it was brain. really. That's enough to bring me down. Sadly. Wow. Um, but yeah, I also thought when you mentioned guys who are unexpectedly hot, Thad Young came to mind because he's another guy who actually popped up on the wire in a competitive 12-team league a couple months ago. We missed him. I say we because I co-own a team with Jared in this one. Didn't pick him up. And ever since, he's been on fire. And without Victor Oladipo, he's been, I think, a top 30 player. Is that something you're buying into? Yeah, I, I really, yeah, I definitely, I noticed Thaddeus Young. I'm surprised he got dropped first of all, but I guess maybe it was right before he kind of took off. Because I'm looking at his last, it couple, was, it was his last couple months, thirty plus games. He's like fourteen and a half points, seven boards, three assists, a steal and a half, half a block, almost a three a game. So, yeah, 90, man, he's ninety two percent from the line in this past fifteen games. <laughs> wow, he doesn't shoot a lot of free. No, throws, he doesn't but, take any, but yeah. but this, he yeah he gets a lot of steals and and. Uh, it's kind of a fun wild card on any given evening because you actually have no idea what he's going to do. Almost had a triple-double the other night, so he'll randomly get assists. You know, He'll get some blocks sometimes. So, yeah, he's so fun. So it, sound, it sounds like you buy him as top 50 in, in Oladipo's absence? Uh, I think definitely. I'm going to look right now at what he is the last two months, what those numbers we were talking about. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, actually, even higher than that. So his last 30 or so games he's around number 35 overall if you play in nine category leagues because he never Jeez. turns it over so there you go yeah quietly he's a beast and on that note we're leaving ryan Qu- quietly <laughs> we're leaving quietly uh, thank you everyone for listening again if you could take a second to rate review and subscribe to the show we appreciate it ryan what do you have coming out this week you don't know why am i asking you that i know you a... this time i think oh, i know this time you do i've got a, I, yeah in fact i think i know for the next two weeks i've got a column coming out today that's going to be about teams versus positions matchups i'm going to look specifically at how fantasy players perform against benches starting lineups each position there's going to be a lot there and yeah Okay, so look out for that. Don't tell me what the column is for next week. We'll just be surprised by that one. Uh, Round Ball Stew will be out on Friday. Mike Gallagher's DFS podcast will be out on Friday as well. Ryan, thanks for taking the time. Everyone, thank you for taking the time to listen. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt.